very deep, very intense sermon series. And that was a Soldier of Christ series. So the elders were looking to get the new uh, sermon series, and they thought, let's do a book study. Let's let's try to find a book that's you know kind of light, kind of easy, kind of easy to understand. Don't have to stress out about it. <clears throat> they picked Revelation. <laughs> they obviously don't know the meaning of relaxed or easy. <clears throat> as we can tell from Lev just getting knee surgery and then roofing for an entire weekend. So, are we up and running? Close? Okay. Almost there. But, in all seriousness, it is a good thing that our elders push us like this. And if the day ever comes that they stop pushing us, let's just say, may that never be. Um, is it going to work? There we go. All right, so we're starting Revelation. So, elders, I just want to give you a little exhortation. You know, continue to press us continue to encourage us to get into God's word and to grow our relationship with him. So before we go any further, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, Father in heaven, I just uh, thank you so much that we can come here unhindered and learn your word, Lord. I just uh, pray that you would open our hearts and our minds as we go through uh, the book of Revelation. I just uh, pray that you would give us understanding, that uh, you would grow us through this and that we would uh, get a better picture of who you are and how we can properly praise you, Lord. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. So now you know what our new teaching series is, and I just want to give you some details about it. We're starting today, and this is going to last us. The plan is, I know our Titus series ran long, but the plan is to go until the end of November with this. We're going to break it up into sections. And there are going to be some standalone series in there, or uh, sermons in there. So, uh, But we're going to go from now until November with Revelation. So let's focus on Revelation. There are some things we need to keep in mind while studying this book. First, it's good for us to study this book. We'll see shortly that there are blessings involved with studying this book. But I feel there's two categories of study that this book really falls into and that's either studying it too much to the point of becoming obsessed with it or not studying it enough and just completely neglecting it. So we shouldn't uh, become obsessed with this book. We should not neglect it. Now there's pitfalls of both sides. Becoming obsessed with it and reading it too much too often we tend to read things in there that aren't in there. Like how many people have been the Antichrist in the past hundred years. And then not reading it enough is a problem because then we don't know what the truth is and we aren't prepared. Even though this is the revelation of Christ, there is still mystery to it. And that's a good thing. Because if Christ just came and gave us all the information right up front, we wouldn't need to be prepared. We know the date, we know the time, we know what happens. And we just sit here and look forward to it. 
but we know what's going to happen. We don't know when, though. So we need to be prepared. We need to be on guard. Now, we need to keep in mind that there are a lot of descriptions in this book. And John's trying to describe the heavenly with earthly finite terms. So when he says that something looks like this, it doesn't look like that. This is just the best he can think of to describe it. Now, last thing to keep in mind is that we should not fear what is written in this book. We should be encouraged by it. This is a revelation of Christ and his glory and his power. And as Matthew said in his last sermon, the war has been won. This is just a description of how the battle ends. So now, with all that to keep in mind, let's actually look at the book of Revelation. We're going to start out with the history of the book. The book was written by the Apostle John in 95 A.D., while he was on exile on the island of Patmos. This is kind of interesting because most of the other apostles died. Either they were martyred or stoned. But John actually lived until he died of natural causes. This is great because in Luke 9.27, Christ said that he would not die until he saw the kingdom. And he did through this revelation. He saw the kingdom. Now just imagine that. You have a promise from Christ that you won't die until you see the kingdom. And then one day, he shows you the kingdom in all of its glory. And you know that he fulfilled his promise to you. That's amazing. That'd be great. Now, there's the island of Patmos. I just want to give you an idea of where this is. There was a Roman uh, penal colony on this island, and John was sent there for preaching the gospel. They sent him there because there was really nobody else around to preach the gospel to. So the, as a part of going through the introduction, we're going to go through chapter 1 today, and it breaks down into three sections. We have the prologue, the greeting slash benediction, and the vision of the Son of Man. Now, this book is set up like a letter, just like all the New Testament books, but it's different in the fact that it has a prologue. It has an introduction informing the reader of what they're getting into and setting up the authority that the book has. So, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants the thing that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angels to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Now, first words of this book in Greek are, Apocalypsis Jesu Christu, or Revelation of Jesus Christ. This is big. This is huge. And just a little side note, we get the word apocalypse 
from apocalypsis. So it really just means revelation. But our culture has adapted it to mean more than that. Now, in this, we see a strong uh, chain of revelation. It goes from God the Father to Christ to John to us. And we also see that there's a blessing in here. And I've t- I talked about this. This is the blessing that I said we were going to see. Um, this isn't just we need to hear it and we need to read it. We need to know it. We need to keep what is written in it. This is for our benefit. This is for our education. This is for our edification. So let's continue so we can read and know his truth. The benediction slash greeting. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, to the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to God his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who, was, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I just love these greetings because they're just packed with so much truth. You can't help but to read this and just praise God for who he is and what he has done. Now, there's a word that repeats twice in there that I really just want to take a closer look at, and that's the word amen. Now, this is a word that we use, and I don't think we either know the meaning or really understand what it means. And the word amen means truly, or this is true, or may it be true. So the next time you're reading a passage and it ends with amen, instead of reading amen, read it, this is true. It kind of makes it stand out a little bit more in your mind. Or the next time you're praying, keep this in mind. When you, when you say amen, you're saying may it be true. So now we know who the letter was written to. It was written to the seven churches that are in Turkey, or in Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. And we'll shortly see who the seven churches are. Like I said before, these greetings are packed with great truth and should be caused to praise God for who he is and what he has done. I just want to read a part of this again, just so we can fully bask in the glory of who God is. Because it shows Christ's authority. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, 
priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. This is true. Our God is good. Now, John pulls out some quotes from the Old Testament with the first and the last, the Almighty. He pulls us directly from Isaiah, specifically 41, 43, and 44. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is showing God's authority. So now we have a basis for who gave John the book and the authority that they gave it to him in. So let's look at this from John's perspective with the vision of the Son of Man. John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island of Pat, called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys to death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, the things that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, I like how John starts out this section. John, your brother and partner in tribulation. This just ties so well into the series we just got done with. John was a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He was sharing in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. It's almost like he knew we just got done with this series and we're going to... I'm kidding. But just because we're done with that series doesn't mean we're done with that concept. That's something we need to remind ourselves of on a regular basis. We are good soldiers of Christ. We need to share in the suffering. So John's alone on the island of Patmos. And he's spending time in the spirit, which I'm assuming is a quiet time. And all of a sudden, a loud voice, like that of a trumpet, goes off behind him. It tells him to write down what he sees and send it to the seven churches. And I have a map of where the seven churches are, so you can kind of get an idea. 
at this point, I don't know about you, but I'd be really frightened. A loud voice going off behind me, and then I turn around, and my surroundings that I know are gone. And I see seven lampstands, and one sitting in the middle who looks like a son of man. But he's only truly terrified when he, see, he sees Christ in his glory. One like the Son of Man. Now, this picture, my mom went and looked for one. This was the least heretical. <laughs> and I just want to point out that the description here, this is the best earthly way we can visualize it. And this is just, it's nothing in comparison to what John saw. But one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. A couple things that I want to point out to you. First, his voice goes from that of a trumpet to that of the roar of many waters. So Christ talking softly to John was like a trumpet. That's pretty loud. Then it goes to the roar of many waters. I haven't been to Niagara Falls. I've only been to Iowa Falls. And that was pretty loud. And it's only a fraction of the size of Niagara Falls. Now, who here has actually been to Niagara Falls? All right. If you're standing at the base and somebody's standing right next to you with a trumpet and they played it as loud as they could, do you think you could really hear it? I, I don't think so. That's loud. That's power. Now, the second thing that he says is that his face was like the sh sun shining in full strength. And we've had a really hot past couple of days. And if you went outside, you could feel the sun beating down on you. And if you looked up, you couldn't look at it for very long. But this was written in the Mediterranean, in the Middle East. And I imagine in that desert region, it would be a lot more powerful and feel a lot bigger and a lot stronger. Now this kind of reminds me of Moses when he asks to see the glory of God. And God places him in the cleft of the rock and covers his, the cleft with his hand and passes by. And Moses only catches a glimpse, just a glimpse. And the actual translation, it says his back, but the actual translation is his hindquarters. So he saw God's bottom. And just that, just that small piece of him, the least glorious part of God, left Moses shining with radiance and glory of God. He came down from the mountain and people couldn't even look at him because he was radiating the glory of God. And that was just the smallest piece. So compare that with Christ whose face was like the sun shining in full strength. That's amazing. That's a lot of glory. That's a lot of power. Now, this is what did it. This is what made John fall over like a dead man. 
Not the being startled, but seeing Christ in his full glory. Now, even though John sees Christ in his awe, full glory, not awful, not bad, but full of awe, Christ tells him not to fear. And we shouldn't fear either. And here's why. This is only a finite description of, uh, of Christ. But fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys to death and to Hades. This is true. This is true. Amen. Now, during the benediction, John uses this phrase to describe God, the Almighty God. I am the first and the last. Now, Christ is using this to describe himself. It's... In layman's terms, he's saying, I am God, but more specifically, I am Christ. I am the one who died to gain the power over death and Hades. And then he reminds him that the, that the war is over. He has the keys to death and to Hades. Now, Matthew pointed this out in his sermon two weeks ago, that before Christ's death on the cross... Satan had the power of death. But in, as soon as Christ got on the cross, he held the power of death. We see that in Hebrews 2.14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. We shall fear death no more. Last, he tells him to write down the things that he saw and the things that he is seeing and the things that he will see. And also the stars and the lampstands. Now, I just want to touch on this really quick. Um, there's no definitive answer to who the, the angels of the churches are. But I'd like to offer my viewpoint. This was after much study and debate. The important thing is the message that's being delivered to the churches. That's the important thing. Now, angel in Greek means messenger, messenger of God. So whether it be a heavenly being or an earthly being, Whoever delivers the message, whoever is responsible for delivering the message to those churches is the angel of that church. They are the messenger of God to that church. But again, the important thing is the message. So we shouldn't get caught up on who the angels of the churches are. But we'll cover the message that's sent to those churches in the next couple of sermons. So what can we take away from this? We need to be diligent in the study of the word in this book. Let's look back at verse 3 really quick. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. 
we need to be prepared. We need to be persistent till the end because it's soon. We don't know when it is. It's not in October. I'll tell you that. No one knows when it is. But it is soon. We can take comfort in this book because the war is won. I'll say it again. This is just a description of how the battle ends. The war has been won. And last, I want you guys to really take time and meditate on the imagery of Christ. And think about how this should shape your worship of him. Are we really ascribing as much glory and honor and power to Christ as we should? And this is just an earthly description of him. This can't even come close to his full glory. But this should really show us that he's more powerful more full of glory than we can ever imagine. And we need to ascribe to him the proper amount of glory and honor and praise. Let's pray. Lord, Father in heaven, I just uh, thank you again for the time that you have given us. I just pray that uh, you would guide us during this series, that you would uh, show us what you want to get out of us to get out of it, that you would... Uh, Give the teachers wisdom, uh, give them the strength to study, and uh, that they wouldn't get discouraged by the hard task of dividing this word, Lord. I just pray uh, for those who are hearing this, that you would open their hearts and their minds, that you would give them understanding, Lord, that you would bless them uh, with the reading of this uh, scripture. I just thank you again for your son's death on the cross, and that the battle has been won, and we need to fear death no more, Lord. I just pray this in your son's holy name. May it be true. Uh, quick side note. Uh, if you want to do a separate study on your own of Revelation, you can go online and Jimmy DeYoung, D-E-Y-O-U-N-G, has a walkthrough of Revelation. You can download the study notes that have blank spaces and you can fill that in and you can also download the answer guide so that's part of the uh, resources that I use for this in case anybody's interested in that thank you